Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. We're continuing to follow Paul and Barnabas across the Mediterranean world as they have been on their first missionary journey into Cyprus and Asia Minor. And the last several sessions, we've been looking at the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians, encouraging them not to uh, go back to the law of Moses for their salvation, but to adhere to Christ and their faith in him alone. And so this question of whether or not uh, Gentiles needed to adhere to the law of Moses in order to be saved was uh, a prominent question at this point in the life of the early church. And in Acts chapter 15, we are going to see the question dealt with and the dispute settled by the council uh, that comes together in the city of Jerusalem. And so we're looking today at Acts chapter 15 and verses 1 through 12 as we begin. Acts 15 verse 1. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointing to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. We'll read the rest of this passage a little later on. Let's pray as we begin. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for Paul and Barnabas and for their ministry to the Gentiles. And we thank you that they were able to uh, handle this dispute in a way that was pleasing to you and recorded for us so that we might understand and know uh, what the relationship between the law in the Old Testament and faith in Jesus Christ is. We pray, Father, that these things would be encouraging to our hearts as we listen and understand that salvation is a result of your grace and comes to us by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the, the council at Jerusalem is going to be convened to tackle this issue of whether Gentiles must uh, stay in regards to the law of Moses in order to be saved. Uh, in verse 1, we're given the false teaching of the Judaizers, which we've talked about before. Uh, this is the reason that Paul has written the letter to the Galatians, probably prior to this. Uh, this teaching had apparently followed Paul and Barnabas into the Greek world in Asia Minor, and some were telling the churches there that Paul and Barnabas uh, had, had begun uh, that they needed to adhere to the law of Moses fully in order to have salvation. 
Paul had, uh, again, most likely already written his letter to the Galatians. So his conviction is that God justifies based on faith in Christ alone and not based on any works of the law. In other words, Gentiles don't need to be circumcised in order to become uh, followers of Christ. They don't need to first adhere to the Sabbath or any of the festivals or uh, religious um, ceremonial practices of the Jews in order to be saved. So in response to this question, Paul and Barnabas are appointed by the church at Antioch to go up to Jerusalem and talk with the apostles and reach a, a decision about this. And so uh, we see in verses 3 and 4, the two missionaries travel to Jerusalem where the case will be decided. They testify as they travel to the spread of the gospel among the Gentiles. As they are going throughout the towns uh, from Antioch down toward Jerusalem, they share the good news about what is happening in the churches in Galatia and with the Gentiles there. This brings great joy to the churches, the believers who are in Phoenicia along the Mediterranean coast and in Samaria, the region to the north of Judea and Jerusalem. Uh, once Paul and Barnabas get to the city of Jerusalem, their reception by the church and the apostles and the elders there is also a favorable one as they tell about the events of their first missionary journey. I'm sure they recalled uh, speaking in the synagogues to the Jews and how some of the Jews most likely believed in Jesus as their Messiah and their Savior. But many would have rejected, and as a result of that, Paul and Barnabas then took the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles in these different areas, and there was great reception uh, among the Gentiles of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 5, some believers who are uh, from the Pharisees, maybe these would have been uh, kind of similar to Saul of Tarsus in that they were Pharisees and they had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as a result, they had believed. Now they are speaking out about the necessity of having Gentiles circumcised and keeping the law. This goes back to a very strong distinction in the minds of the Jews between the Jews as God's chosen people and the Gentiles who were viewed as outsiders, uh, away from God's promises and uh, strangers to God's revelation. It would take quite some time uh, for many Jews to really accept and understand that God was not only working through them, but could also uh, give his gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the Gentile world as well. They were viewed to some degree by the Jews as uh, barbarians, as foreigners to uh, their land, and so perhaps not really even worthy of uh, salvation that would come from God. Uh, we're not given many details about the particular individuals who are the Pharisees, uh, believers from the Pharisees here. Luke calls them believers, so they're genuine. Uh, however, they're misguided in their doctrine. They believed it was necessary to first convert people to Judaism and then become followers of Christ. They're from the party of the Pharisees, uh, old habits are hard to break. 
You know, Pharisees prided themselves on being the gatekeepers of the law. And apparently some had believed in Christ, but wanted to retain their former practices and require all who would follow Christ to do the same. Maybe there was a desire to hold on to their position, to their elevated or advanced status in society. Well, whatever the case, the council at Jerusalem is going to respond to uh, this very question. And in verses 6 through 11, Peter is going to stand up and he will testify to God's work in reaching the Gentiles that God has done through him uh, in Acts chapters 10 and 11. He says in verses 6 through 11, uh, the apostles and elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just as they will. So Peter testifies to what had happened already through him, looking back to Acts chapters 10 and 11. And if we look back into Acts chapter 10, uh, when Peter is in the household of Cornelius, and he's speaking to Cornelius about the good news about Jesus and what he's done. We read in verses 10 through in verses 44 through 48 of chapter 10, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is a wonderful passage that shows that uh, the moment of faith occurs as these individuals are still hearing Peter speak the gospel, proclaim the good news about Jesus to them. And as they're hearing, they make a connection in their minds and in their hearts, and their faith is placed in Christ, and the gift of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they begin speaking in tongues. That's the visible sign that they have received the indwelling Spirit. Now, all of this happens prior to their baptism. Sometimes people will want to argue that baptism is a precursor to salvation or is necessary for salvation. Well, I think Acts chapter 10 and these verses that we've just read is a great demonstration that faith, uh, uh, salvation comes through faith alone and not faith plus baptism. They're already given the gift of the Holy Spirit at the moment that they believe. Baptism is done after the fact to testify to others the reality of their changed life and the Spirit's work in their heart. 
So going back to our passage in Acts chapter 15, uh, Peter asks the audience why Gentiles would need the yoke of the law placed on their necks once again. This sounds very much like what we've already heard from Paul in his letter to the Galatians. In Galatians 5.1, Paul wrote, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For believers in Christ, to go back to following the practices of the law is like going back to slavery and enslaving ourselves once again when Christ has freed us from the requirements of the law. Well, Barnabas and Paul, we're told in verse 12, uh, all the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Again here, Luke lists Barnabas' name first. Uh, perhaps that's because he has a little more weight in the eyes of the apostles. I'm not sure uh, exactly why it's done there. Most of the time, those names are recorded uh, after chapter 13. Paul is given the place of prominence, but here Barnabas is given uh, the first position in the two names. They're recounting the signs and wonders that God had done through them as they were on their first missionary journey into Asia Minor. And the assembly is silent while they speak, listening intently to them. Now, next time we will see what the conclusion of this controversy is. But first, just a couple of lessons for us from the Jerusalem Council. This gives us a great pattern of how to handle controversy and disputes among believers in Christ. When a dispute arises, Sometimes it is necessary to seek outside help for additional support. I think that's what the believers in Christ are doing here in going down to the city of Jerusalem, gathering the apostles and elders and saying, hey, we've got two very strong opinions about this and we need to figure out which is correct, which is the right way, which, which is the way the Holy Spirit would desire to take us in. Uh, all sides are presented and listened to in these verses, not only uh, Paul and Barnabas and their position, but also the Judaizers and their position. When you are in a dispute, it's important to allow all voices to be heard and to make their case. And then the leaders of the church weigh in on the issue, and uh, in our disputes, it can be helpful to have Others, perhaps the leaders of our churches, weigh in on issues that we're involved in. So some practical advice for how to respond when we're in uh, difficult disputes with one another. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.